Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. Hey, Dream Builder, this episode is powered by Design Crowd. Design Crowd is a website that helps entrepreneurs, startups, and small businesses get creative and quality designs from custom logos to business cards and even web designs. There's a community of over 900,000 designers from all across the world that's ready to bring your idea to life in as little as ours. So head on over to designcrowd.com forward slash dream nation and see what all the hype is about. What's up dream builder. We are back again with another episode. And today we're going to talk about how you can become more spiritually in town or in sound with yourself. And so I think that right now for where we are in the world, that's something that we all need to tap into. So today we have one of the pioneers, Mr. Coot Blackson. Coot, you want to go ahead and say what's up to dream nation. What's up, Dream Nation? Welcome. Good to yes. be here. It's a pleasure to have you on here. Now, I always like to give the proper introduction. And the way that I do that is I compare us as entrepreneurs and thought leaders to superheroes. And the reason being is because we're constantly flying around the world. We're putting on our cape and we're trying to solve some of the world's biggest problems. So what we know is behind every Superman and that S on the chest, there's that guy who goes by the name of Clark Kent. And what we also know is behind, or what we also know is what we see on the outside. Coot is a Superman as well. What we don't know is behind that S on the chest, who is that Clark Kent? Wow, that's, a, that's, a, that's why I'm like, it's a big question. But look, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's from Japan. I grew up in London. I live in Los Angeles, Phoenix, Tulum, and I travel the world. So it's like nonstop from everywhere. From a very young age, I remember being age five, I always felt a, a burning desire and a deep calling to serve people. I felt this, this feeling like my life wasn't my life. I, would, you know, I was a very sensitive kid, so I always felt people's pain. And I, I wanted to somehow uh, alleviate people's suffering. And one of the things that really impacted my life the most in terms of how I got started on the path was I remember being around age six, age seven. I was a chubby kid in Ghana, West Africa. And... I was lost in the crowd and I saw this crippled woman. She picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. And you could call that a miracle. Yeah. yeah. And so week after week, I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear. And the same man who sand she picked up would look at a man in a wheelchair and say, why are you in this wheelchair? Stand up. You're not sick. You look at a person who was blind, touch their eyes and they would sight would be given. I mean, he would look at a person with cancer and pray for them. And so this man was my father. He built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, a huge church in London. And so I grew up in this, you could say, spiritual, mystical, otherworldly setting. And I always had a sense, for me, this was normal. I didn't know it wasn't that normal. So I always grew up with a sense that 
everything was possible. This was my belief. Like anything's possible. All possibilities exist. Like there's no, there's no road limits because I was seeing it every day. And so when I was age eight, I was thrown into the audience and my father asked me to give my first sermon and speech at the time. And so I started speaking my father's audience at age eight, had no idea what I was saying. It's just stuff started coming out of my mouth. And so that began my first speech. Yeah. And, but the truth is, it's not as impressive as it sounds in that I was the kid that I was sleeping in the front row, wanted to play soccer, had no interest in the church, spirituality, nothing. I just wanted to have fun, hated being there. And I was thrown on the stage and something happened to me. And that began a, an opening. That's when you could say my spiritual opening happened. And, and I started having certain spiritual experiences at a young age. I started to ask questions, the questions of who am I and why am I here and what's the purpose of life? And I went to a very prestigious school, got a scholarship to a very prestigious school. And I was always wondering, like, why is it that some people who seem to have everything seem to also not be that happy? And my father's congregation, some of the poorest people in the world, they don't have that much, but they seem to be fulfilled. Like, what is the purpose of life? Is it just to wake up, go to sleep, eat shit, sleep, make babies, make money, go on vacation and then die? And I was thinking to myself as a young boy, like, this world is weird. Surely, like, there has to be more than that. So what is the more? And that began my, I would say at a young age, from 8 to 18, a really obsessive quest of spiritual seeking. And I started reading books from motivational spiritual gurus from the East and the West, East and Western mystics. I started meditating at a young age. I'd go to school, do my homework, talk about who I am, go to school, do my homework, finish my homework. Four or five hours a night, I'd be reading, I'd be meditating, I'd be journaling. And that was, that was really my, my life. When I was 14, I was ordained as a minister in my father's church. I was ordained. Imagine this like little kid. My father says, my son is taking over my ministry. I'm looking at him like, I am? No one had a conversation with me. And as much as I wanted to help people, as much as I felt a deep desire to serve, I didn't know what it would look like. I remember feeling when he announced that, that this wasn't my path. I looked into my future and I saw the future that my father was carving out for me. Whatever, Literally hundreds of thousands of people had their hopes and dreams pinned on me and their expectations. And mm. I looked into that future and I realized if I follow the expected path, I will not be happy. I it literally felt like a soul suicide. And I realized I could live what everyone else wanted me to live. But if I don't have myself, what, what do I have really? What do I, what do I really have? And that's when I saw that you, you can't be truly fulfilled and happy being someone that you're not. You can't be truly fulfilled and happy living someone else's life. And I looked into, into the unknown and my soul was guiding me in a totally different direction, which I didn't know. I just knew it wasn't in my father's direction. And so I was terrified. I, I was afraid. That if I dared to be myself, if I dared to be my truth, if I dared to authentically be me, that I wouldn't be loved, that I'd be outcast, that I would lose my father's love, that I would just, my life was over, is how mm. I felt. And I was too afraid to be who I really was. I was too afraid to tell my father, I love you, but I'm not taking over. I was too afraid to own my truth. And I think many times, we feel the truth inside of our hearts in terms of what we are here to do, the purpose we are here to live. Maybe we feel the truth of we're in a relationship and it's just, it's not right. I'm not in love in this relationship. Or I'm not right. just, this, this marriage isn't right for me. Or maybe we're, we're living a job that we know is 
more out of convenience and survival. It's not in alignment with our true purpose, but we're just we're working it to pay the bills. Yet we're betraying ourselves in the process. And so I, I realized that I was not living the truth. It took me about four years to of inner turmoil, depression, feeling alone, a lot of deep soul introspection to come to the point where I had to make a decision. Either I choose myself and my soul. And sometimes what I found is what your soul guides you to do is not always convenient. Sometimes what your soul guides you to do is not always the easy path. But if it was easy, it would be for everyone. And so when I finally mustered up the courage to own my life, I had the conversation with my father, which was terrifying. We sometimes think that when you find your purpose, then everything becomes easy. When you find your purpose, then just life is effortless. I think sometimes when you find your purpose, that's when the challenges begin. Right. And, and people sometimes think, I found my purpose and life fell apart. The life I knew it fell apart, fell apart. The challenges have begun. But I think that's when you're actually on the right path. You're not on the wrong path, you're on the right path because many times those challenges are following your purpose are sent to actually prepare you so that you can develop the mental, the spiritual, the emotional, let's say soul force and internal muscle to be able to develop into and become the person that is capable of fulfilling that purpose. If you look at like a, a Mandela, if you look, imagine Mandela just wants to help his nation, just wants to help people and the apartheid. 27 years in prison. That's called preparation. And so For I sure. think we, we all have to face challenges and the challenges are sent to prepare us. And so spoke to my father. We didn't speak for two years. No money, no education. Said to God one day, God, I feel like you've given me this vision, but I have no real way to manifest it. I have no money, no college education, no family support except my mother. And uh, cut a long story short, I ended up winning a green card. Winning a green card. Let me under winning a green card in the green card lottery where the American government gives away 55,000 green cards in the green card lottery. And that began my path. And so I really believe that when you follow your truth, when you follow your soul, when you are true to the deepest impulse of what you're guided to do, even if it doesn't make sense in the moment, many times it won't make sense because your vision is beyond your current capacity. Right. Vision is evolutionary in that your soul's vision, your destiny, your purpose is designed to stretch you beyond your current consciousness, designed to force you to evolve and grow. And so it, it, it won't always make sense, but I believe there's something inside of us that knows. And so I think whenever you truly follow your soul, and this has been a lifelong theme for me of like, how do I follow my soul? How do I follow my truth? Whenever we truly follow our soul, that's when we live in alignment. And that's when I, I have found that's when life supports you, nature supports you, universe supports you because we are in alignment with life. And so the last thing I'll say is I think one of the things that blocks us the most, one of the things that stops us from fulfilling our potential, breaking through, transforming, are all the ways that we lie to ourselves. I think many times we are constantly bullshitting or lying or not telling the truth to ourselves about who we are, about what we really feel inside. And so as a place to begin shifting, I had to tell the truth to myself. And so I'd invite everyone to really sit with these two or three questions. 
What lies am I currently telling myself about my relationship, about this addiction? Ah, that doesn't really have an impact on me. Ah, drinking, oh, this doing that, that doesn't really, what, it does. When we're not in alignment, we disempower our energy and we, we start losing trust within our own selves, with ourselves, which then takes away from our own self-respect, self-honor, self-confidence. And so we're out of alignment. To me, life and power is about living in alignment. So what lies do I tell myself? Be honest about that. And really look at what is it costing me? Sometimes we play a game, a very de detrimental game of confusion <laughs> the sense of i don't i don't know i'm not sure what my truth is i don't know if this i don't know if this relationship is right i don't know what my i'm not sure what my purpose i'm confused when deep down we know we know we know we're just sometimes afraid to own the knowing because we're afraid of the consequences so what lies am i telling myself what is it costing me and really be willing to feel we have to be willing to feel the pain of the misalignment, acknowledge and feel the pain of the lies that we're living. One of the ways we keep ourselves in the loop, perpetuating the life that we have, the, 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 the patterns that we're living that aren't truly serving us, is we distract ourselves. We, we, we know that, mm, something's not right, something's not right, something's not truly aligned, but we drink it away, we drug it away, we sex it away, we social media it away, we shop it away, we just busy ourselves so that we don't have to feel the pain. Mm. Feeling the, to me, pain is not bad. Pain is just a signal that something is in need of attention, something is out of alignment. When we heed the message of the pain, the pain shifts. The pain is there because there is some message that we need to pay attention to in that pain. So I believe pain is not bad. Pain can be a gift to help us course correct and bring ourselves into more truth. And so what lies am I telling myself? What is it costing me? Feel the pain. We feel, really feel the pain. And I think that's a place people can, can begin. And so that's a bit of my journey. Yeah, a bit of your journey and a remarkable of what it has been. And there's so many things that I want to uncover in this. Let me ask the first thing that I'm that I'm wondering, and I know somebody else is, is you said that your dad didn't talk to you. You didn't talk to your dad for two years after. Is that correct? Two years. Two, two years. years. Do you have a relationship with them now? My father and I now are honestly, it's a, it's a love ship, man. It's, it's, uh, we are deeply close. And I'll tell you a bit about it. Deeply close, deep bond, deep soul connection. There's nothing but love I have for this man. But that wasn't easy because when I left, honestly, I left as an 18, 19 year old kid, London to Los Angeles, $800, no support. And I arrived, <clears throat> I was angry at my father didn't know I was angry at my father. I, I was so disconnected from the anger I had towards my father because I didn't want to give my father the, the, the attention, the energy, the pleasure of, no, of, 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 of my attention of knowing that I'm angry. So it's like, I don't give a shit. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not angry. I don't care. When deep down, I was hurt. I was heartbroken. I was sad. I was resentful. And I was angry. And I was bitter. But I wasn't acknowledging it to myself. And... and we didn't speak for two years and I just kept pretending I didn't care. Just, I don't give a shit. I don't care. One day, a couple of my relationships with amazing women fell apart because they kept telling me, I think you have some anger towards your father. And, and, I, and I kept saying, no, I don't. The relationship is over. I just didn't want to deal with it because 
honestly, it was too painful. And I wasn't willing to feel and acknowledge the pain. And there came a point one day when I was in my tiny apartment, literally, it was like a 300, it was literally a tiny apartment, like the size of a bathroom, no bedroom, a little sink, a little toilet. I took a mattress out of the street and I'm sleeping on this mattress that someone threw out. And that was my life. I was happy though, because I felt like I was living my dream. But one day I remember feeling, I was wallowing in my own sense of, let's just call it victimhood. I felt like so unsupported by my father, everyone else had support and I come to this, I follow my dreams and I have no support from my father. I'm doing it, I felt so alone, I felt abandoned by my father, abandoned by God, angry at my father, why can't he support me? And, and I remember just wallowing and feeling sorry for myself one weekend, the whole weekend, feeling depressed, feeling depressed, what was me and what was me? I don't know what happened, man. One day I just, the end of that weekend, I just out of this pity party, it's like I heard this voice. Literally, it was a realization that changed my life. It, it, it was like a, a feeling, a voice that said, nobody owes you anything. Hmm. Your father doesn't owe you anything. God doesn't owe you anything. If you really want to change your life, transform your life, it was this clear sense. You can't sit here and wallow and live in this, we'll call it entitlement mentality, like somebody owes me something. And I really started to get, wow, I've just been here sitting, I've been here being a victim. And I realized that the only way to shift my life is we have to be willing to give up victim consciousness, mm. victim consciousness. And part of that is realizing on a spiritual level, we are all souls. I believe that we're all souls having a human experience. And I feel as souls, we have lessons to learn in this life. And so on some level, if you're going through something, if I'm going through something, if we're all going through something, one way to go through the experience, like, why is this happening to me? Why, is this, you know, as a victim versus, huh, why is this happening to me? From a soul perspective, like if life is a school and we're here to learn lessons, why is this happening to me? In other words, what is the lesson that my soul is seeking to learn in this relationship with my father, in this relationship with my wife, with my spouse, with my husband, in this relationship with my boss, with my employee? What is the lesson I'm seeking to learn? And why did I attract this lesson to me when we realize that we would not be going through that situation if there wasn't something for our souls to learn? And we, we didn't call it into existence for our own growth and evolution. Then you realize at the deepest, we'll call it spiritual level, soul level, we are not victims. That doesn't mean there might not be certain situations in life that happen to us that they're not okay. They need to be handled. There need to be consequences. You might need to take someone to court, handle that. But when we can handle that on the surface from a deep soul perspective of realizing, hmm, life is about evolution. I'm here to grow and evolve. I'm here to learn lessons. Every single experience of life is about, if life is a school, then I'm here to grow and evolve. How can I use every single experience of my life for my growth and evolution? When we shift that perspective, we give up a sense of it's happening to me. And then we take our power back to learn the lessons. When we learn the lessons where we are with who we're with, that's when we begin to transcend the current situation. All mm. lessons are repeated until fully learned. So if anyone's thinking, why do I keep attracting the same situation, the same relationship, the same dynamic over and over and over and over again, 
chances are you haven't learned the lesson where you are, where you are that you need to learn. Meanwhile, we're trying to manifest the next level. Well, we haven't become the next level and we're still holding on to the old level. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so with my father, I realized I got to give up victim consciousness. And that's when I really, something shifted, man. Something opened in me, something shifted in me. And I started realizing he wasn't a perfect human being. But the truth is I was so looking at what he didn't give me that I wasn't really looking at what he did give me, which he gave me a lot. My, I look at who I am today, years later, and I'm like, wow, I'm a lot like this guy. Wow, if it wasn't for the fact he threw me on stage, if it wasn't the fact that he wasn't always there for me, if it wasn't for the fact that all of that made me who I am. And so I stopped looking at what he didn't give me. I started looking at what he did give me. And I also realized the fact is, he gave me life. He gave me life. And that foundation is everything and so the shift happened when i when i realized my father owes me nothing anymore i'm a i'm a grown adult at this i'm not like 12 i'm not it's different if you're 12 and 13 and sure it would have been nice but i believe that every single thing like if my father was any different i would not be probably do i probably wouldn't be doing what i'm doing right now so on some level as we look back at our past Every single thing on one level, one level was perfect. On a soul level was perfect. If Oprah, and it doesn't make certain things okay, certain things need to be handled and addressed and it moved through. But if you look at Oprah who was raped and abused and abandoned, if Oprah didn't go through that experience, would she have been Oprah? Those even painful traumatic experiences gave her the ability to see life a certain way, gave her the ability to connect with people in a way because she understood them, gave her the ability to have such a depth of feeling and compassion. Like had her life been perfect and she had the perfect parent who you know, never was always there, we would not have the Oprah that we have today. So on, that's why on some level, we have the perfect parents for our soul's evolution. We have the perfect parents for our soul's evolution because they are perfectly preparing us to learn the lessons so we can be who we are today and fulfill our mission. And so I forgave my father. I think that was an act of truly taking my power back. I, sometimes we don't forgive because we're afraid that if we forgive, that condones what our parents did. Right. But what we don't realize is by not forgiving, we're keeping ourselves hostage and often what we don't forgive, we hold on to by holding on to that old energy of rage and anger and incompletion. We unconsciously tend to recreate the incomplete experiences and feelings in our current adult life. And the greatest freedom and the greatest act of power is to truly not be dependent on anyone else, changing, being different, apologizing so that we can be free. And so when we really take our power back and realize, wow, my freedom is based on my freedom, regardless of what my mother or father does. That is a power that we have. And, and so when I really own that, forgave my father, I released him, blessed him, acknowledged that I love this man. And he is what he is. I had to come to a deep acceptance of what my father is. And so I think one of the ways to free ourselves is we also have to accept our parents. Sometimes we don't want to accept who they are because the little kid in us wants them to be what we didn't get from them that they're never going to be. That, right. keeps, that keeps us 
in conflict with them, trying to make them into what we wanted them to be and trying to get from them what they weren't able to give us. And the truth is, they may not be able to give us what we wanted because they're just doing the best that they can do based on where they, they are in their own level of consciousness and conditioning. And so we have to learn to come to a level of acceptance of them. When we accept them, we, then that for me, that freed me up to be able to accept what he was able to give me. That's when our relationship changed. And I realized, wow, there's so much love he is able to give me in his own way that I wasn't receiving because I wanted it in the way I needed it or thought I needed it or thought I wanted it. And then our relationship shifted. When I forgave him, I'll never forget, last thing I'll say, when I forgave my father, deeply, truly. Because forgiveness happens when you realize that another person, whether it's your parent, whether it's an ex, whether it's uh, someone who's betrayed you, someone who's been mean to you, on some level, this is going to sound strange. They couldn't help it. That's not to condone them. That doesn't mean they don't have responsibility. That doesn't mean there's not consequences. That doesn't mean you may not have to take action. But when you can take action from a place of internal freedom and internal forgiveness, it shifts your relationship completely to the situation. I agree. On some level, they couldn't have helped themselves. They didn't, on some level, they didn't have a choice. Let me, let me, let me back up because that can sound a little controversial. Believing what they believed, right? Believing what they believed from their experience, from their conditioning, from their childhood, from their everything. If I believe what they believed, I would have probably acted how they acted. Facts. And, and so believing what they believe doesn't make it right, doesn't make it right, doesn't make it okay. Believing what they believe, how could they have acted any other way? And so on some level, at that deep spiritual level, you realize they're innocent. That doesn't mean their action. That doesn't mean their actions are innocent. But who they are is innocent. Because if I believed that, I'm not enough, I'm a piece of this, I'm worthless, da, 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 then I would act the same way. And, right. and because if I had that belief, that belief makes it really impossible for me to act a different way. And so when we understand that, we can move into a deeper state of, let's say, compassion and forgiveness for somebody. The actions do need to be held accountable. Sometimes we do need to shift our relationship, end our relationship, take them to court, but we can do so from a much more internally free place. And for me, I, I forgave my father and then our relationship really, really blossomed over the years and when my mother died three years ago my father and i we were, we were we were good it wasn't like my mother and i we were my mother and i were like this i made a decision that no matter what happened to the end of my father's life doesn't matter what he does doesn't do i would call him every single day and love him profoundly every single day as a act of devotion as an offering as a worship, as a dedication. I would love him every single day, unconditionally, doesn't matter what he does. And so every day I call my father, even if it's two minutes, one minute, 30 seconds, five minutes, and just love him as a son to a father, honoring this human vessel that gave me life, the human vessel that gifted me a DNA and gifted me life and did the best he could. And that that gesture honestly has totally transformed my relationship with him because I gave up wanting or needing anything from him. It was just unconditional. And 
guess what? Our relationship went to a whole nother level because we never received so much love before and that transformed our relationship. So it's in a good, good space now. Man, I, I love it. It's such a powerful story. And for somebody like me, I, I think I grew up in mm -hmm. a lot of similar scenario, but my scenario was my dad was just never around. There was so much when you talk about forgiveness and talking about the fact that you just have to embrace it first off, but it's because a lot of the times we don't want to acknowledge that trauma that we had between the ages of three and 12, because we feel like that it then allows us to be weak. And when you spent so much time building up this callus to say that I'm strong, just like you said, now tapping back into it, then it's, it feels like I'm going to live a double, a double identity, a double life. Cause it's like, no, I've told myself whether you, when you talk about your belief system and in the middle of the word belief is lie. So even if you've lied to yourself time and time again for five, seven, 15 years, and you said, no, I'm strong. Then all of a sudden it's, like you got to go back and, and it's almost like you're living as a fraud now, cause it's like, you're not strong. And so having that, that awareness to say, it's okay for me to be vulnerable, like you said in the beginning, but vulnerability is actually what shows strength. I think that's where a lot of people go wrong at because it's, it's a struggle to show that vulnerability and not feel like you're still weak. Yeah. Yeah. We, we get, here's the thing. We think we are who we are. The reality is we're not who we think we are. So you're talking about double life. The challenge is who we are today, for the most part, until we awaken, is only who we think we are and who we've been conditioned to be. Mm. That's not really necessarily the real us to begin with. We've just become identified with this version of ourselves attached to this persona and personality reinforced through experiences in life that we believe that this is who we are. So that makes it, so then we're afraid to explore the stuff we're talking about, the pain, the trauma, the hurt, the shame, the, whatever is there. So this is what happened just to give everyone a bit of a sense. I, be, I, I feel as children, we are born, we're born free, man. You look it into a child's eyes, right? And a child is awake, a child is, a child is in touch with God. The child is in touch with the divine. They're in touch with the essence. They look at you. It's like the universe is looking at you. And it just, right. it, it reminds you of what you really are, what, 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 what we really are. We were these free beings, just so pure, so unconditioned, so uncontaminated for the most part. And, 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 and as children, we didn't care. Well, am I fat? Look at me. What do you think? Or we, didn't, we would jump on the table naked, poop, poop on the floor pee around. We, we, we didn't care so much. We would hug people as, as little babies. We would sing. And, and we didn't care if we weren't like Bruno Mars or Celine Dion. We, we, we just, Aretha Franklin, we just sang. Wow, we were fully self-expressed. Okay. So what happens? What happens? We're born. We incarnate into this physical domain, this physical existence called life. And we meet our parents. And, we, and, and our parents, as we said, they're just doing the best that they can do based on their childhood, their conditioning, their culture, their programming, their parents and their parents and their entire ancestral lineage. So we're born into a certain environment. We'll call it a framework of preconditions. Those preconditions are what we're born into based on their past programming, ancestral conditioning, et cetera, et cetera. And the conditions of 
Maybe dad's an alcoholic. Maybe dad's not around. Maybe mom has mental illness. Maybe they're fighting all the time. Maybe there's abuse. Maybe there's sexual, mental trauma. Maybe they're just not available. Maybe they're sick, whatever it is. So we're born into this preconditioned framework that now these bright beings that we are, we have to enter into this. And usually, you know, there's dysfunction or there's some level of, it's painful sometimes feeling like dad's not around. Whether we're conscious of the pain or not, because maybe we don't know anything else. So we don't even know that we're in pain, but we're in pain. You right. Know? And so unconsciously, what we do, there's two things in terms of how we start getting conditioned. Firstly, unconsciously, what we start doing is we begin to shut down and we disconnect from the pain, often unconsciously, as a way to not feel that's not around and that hurts or mom is crazy or no one comes to my football games, or I was abused, or I was beaten or bullied by my brothers. And so we start learning all sorts of survival mechanisms to shut down, disconnect, and not feel. Shut mm. down, disconnect, not feel. And we start learning all sorts of ways to suppress the pain and the trauma. And we stuff it down, we stuff it down, we stuff it down, we stuff it down, we stuff it down. The challenge is that goes into our psyche as unresolved energy they get stored in our body and our tissues as trauma and pain, often manifesting as some physical symptom or some disease over time. And so over time, all of the sort of unfelt, unexperienced, not acknowledged, suppressed emotions build up layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and layers, and layers that cover up our true self, our authentic self, our true light, our true magnificence. So that's one thing. So before it, the true us has been covered up under layers of just unresolved stuff. Then we start learning all sorts of ways to go out into the world. And the sense of who do I need to be in order to be loved? Who do I need to be for dad and mom to love me? For me, I learned, oh, I need to be the perfect son. I need to be the preacher's kid. I need to be the responsible one, the over-responsible one caretake everybody, take care of everybody, be appropriate. There's all these things I learned. Like, oh, if I'm a certain way, then I get love, val love, validation, and approval from my caretakers. So we start contorting ourselves into a certain shape and way of being. Oh, I'll be nice. Yes, mom. Yes, dad. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, I'm going to take care of everybody. You know, uh, no, it, we, start, we start betraying parts of ourselves, smiling all the time, being who we think we need to be in order to get love, fit in, be validated approval. So avoid pain. We contort ourselves. We start developing a role, a limiting character, a persona, and we contort into this shape that we think the version of ourselves that we've learned to contort ourselves into, we think that's who we are. No, cool. This is just me. I'm just this way. I'm just not that way. I'm just independent. I'm just funny. I'm just this. I'm just strong. But we don't realize that we've been our personality has been conditioned to contort into that way to function and survive. And then what we end up doing is we end up often living our life 10, 30, 40, 50 years living our life in this contorted way that we've learned to function and survive as. And many times we become successful being this person that we think we are. We then, can you imagine doing relationships as this person that we think we are? No wonder relationships are 
can be so messed up at times, so difficult right. because if two conditioned people come together, like it, it's going to be a mess, it's going to be a train wreck. And so we have to realize, so the question I ask people in my work and through my trainings is, is really getting people to become conscious and aware that number one, we are conditioned. Number two is who you are, who you really are. Or is it simply who you've been conditioned to be because the degree to which you're conditioned, especially without knowing, is the degree to which you are not free. You don't have real, you don't really have free will, free choice. Even though you think you're doing this thing, many times it's just a reaction to something mom did or mom said or so grandma mm. did or someone said. We, we are, I'm a rebel, but you're really reacting to being suppressed. You're really reacting to, I'm never going to be like my mom. I'm never going to be like my dad. And, and so we're not really free to choose. And so we have to first become aware and conscious of our conditioning, the roles. I'd ask people to sit with, what roles have you been conditioned to play? The nice person, the independent person, the funny person, the over-responsible person, the caretaker, the nice girl, the nice guy, the list goes on. And when you can start seeing the roles that you've been conditioned to, to live inside of and function inside of, realize that you are not those roles. Those roles are often shells that we've adopted to avoid the pain and to get love and approval. Then we have to be willing sometimes to feel the pain, as you mentioned, the hurt, the suppressed feelings that we've been using the way of being to cover up. And the more we're willing to authentically, not wallow, but just acknowledge the pain. Wow, that hurt. Dad wasn't around. Not that this is you, but let's say someone's like, dad wasn't around. And so as a way to not get hurt in relationship, maybe I, I, I don't let myself get too close. I don't let myself get too close because dad left and so love leaves. And so as a way to not get hurt again and not feel that pain again, I close my heart. And so we're living out so many of the patterns of conditioning in our adult life and relationships. And so if we're willing to feel that pain of dad wasn't around or mom died or this happened and just feel that, experience that, release that, we peel layers away, then there's more space, more freedom, more more expansion, more aliveness that we can experience and live in our lives more and more as ourselves. And so really let's ask ourselves, you asked me in the beginning, that's why I said, it's a big question. Like, who right. are you? Like, who are, who, who am I really is the question. Perhaps who you are is not who you think you are. Hey, Dream Builder, if you're anything like me, you have no idea how to come up with a quality logo or even a creative design. You know that quality is important, but it's not always the easiest to nail down, right? That's where Design Crowd comes in. Whether it's a logo, a website, book cover, or even a social media ad, they have a community of over 900,000 professional designers around the world ready to help solve your creative problem. Head on over to designcrowd.com forward slash dream nation to learn more and just for being a part of the dream nation tribe you're going to receive a special vip offer when you sign up of up to 150 dollars credit now instead of waiting weeks for an agency to pitch you an idea you'll be able to get a design of exactly what you need within just three days 
So again, head on over to designcrowd.com forward slash dream nation and check it out. So powerful. So many gems in there for somebody who's saying, okay, I, I'm, I'm willing to go through the work of figuring out who I am and peeling back all of the layers. But then once I've done all of that and I feel, as you said, I'm running naked, I'm hopping on the table naked. How do I start to then reprogram myself? Because that's the whole other piece. Once I'm naked, it's okay. What do I do now? And so when you come into reprogramming and, and, and leaning into your purpose or your, even your passion into that moment, wait, here's what I, cause it's all a mindset game of where do you want to be? So for you, mm -hmm. how were you able to figure out the lane that you were supposed to go in and reprogram your mind after you became at your most vulnerable? And I would guess I would say lean state. Yeah. So the first thing I, I'd invite people to be willing to not know who you be willing to not know who you are for a moment because we become so sure about who we are and that often limits the full expression of what we really are. So be willing to not know for a moment. This way you're open. This way you're open. Otherwise we're constantly repeating actions that reinforce who we are and then there's no space for more. We're just going to repeat and create the same lies. That's the first thing. Second thing, then I want to talk about some real steps to purpose because I think you're asking a really important question. Talk about reprogram, I would invite people to actually not reprogram themselves, <laughs> to not try to reprogram themselves. What I do is I help people unprogram, decondition, uncondition, unprogram, unteach, uncoach, untrain themselves. Because when you peel those layers away, you tap into the natural dimension of your being, your essence, your soul that is organic, that is authentic, that is beyond programming, is beyond conditioning. It's the innate intelligence that is inside you, yeah? To be innate, to be natural. I think part of truly being free is to be yourself, truly yourself. Part of being free is to be truly, naturally yourself, authentically yourself. This is the greatest freedom. So. To me, this isn't something that has to be programmed, but unprogrammed. And when you unprogram, then you can feel, then you can allow the authentic impulse to move through you rather than a set of programs that you adopt from the outside. It's more an, exp it's more an expression, allowing your soul, the intelligence of your soul to express through you. To me, that's when the magic happens. That's when you're not living life just by a set of, oh, I'm going to be this way. I'm going to be that way. I'm going to program myself to be some way. It's just like when, when you free up the layers of conditioning and you tap into your essence, the intelligence of your being will move. Look at this, okay? When you cut your finger, you don't have to program anything. Sit there and pray. Please heal, please heal. When you cut your finger, you keep it clean, you create the conditions, yes? And something inside of your body, an innate intelligence, it knows how to heal you. It knows how to heal your body. The same intelligence is infinite. It is, it is the very intelligence that right now, when you eat breakfast, I don't know what you have for breakfast, or when you eat lunch or dinner, whenever people listen to this conversation, the same intelligence in your body. It knows how to take the food, the chicken, the fish, the egg, the salad, the whatever it is that you eat. And how is it that you eat an egg 
it goes into your body and your finger doesn't become an egg. <laughs> There's an intelligence inside of you that's innate, that knows what to do and how to do it. And so for me, it's about removing the blockages so that you can flow naturally. And I think when people flow naturally, that's when the magic of living in alignment with your purpose happens. So Mandela wasn't trying to be Jesus. Jesus wasn't trying to be Buddha. Martin Luther King wasn't trying to be someone else. They were just being naturally themselves. Bruce Lee wasn't trying to be Muhammad Ali. Bruce Lee talked about, you must be like water. You flow. That's the flow. And I think it's about getting into the flow. So now let me talk about the flow and living in purpose. There is a myth, I think, and I'm going to break down some practical steps too for people to find the kind of expression of their purpose. Let me, let me back up and then dive into purpose. Sense of purpose. On one level, on a spiritual deeper level, we are souls incarnated into this human experience. Having this human experience as souls, we're here to go and learn. Ultimately, I believe the purpose of life is essentially... We are here to grow, evolve, learn, learn the lessons, grow, evolve, and be who we really are and learn how to love. That's, I think, why we're in this human domain, having this human experience. Otherwise, we could just stay in the heavens somewhere and like, why bother incarnate into this wild, crazy world? If we're not here to grow, evolve, and, and remember who we are and learn the lessons and learn to love. It's like, no need to be here otherwise. So I think that's the ultimate purpose. And so if we really remember that, then even if you're not clear on what your personal purpose is, is your ultimate purpose, then your personal purpose as a human being, as a personality, then just because you're not clear what your personal purpose is, doesn't mean this moment is less meaningful if you know what the ultimate purpose of your life, which is evolution. So on some level, every moment of your life, every moment of your life is your purpose. Mm. Every moment of your life, living, growing, and evolving is your very purpose for existing, regardless of what it is you're doing or not doing. Everything you do, every job you have, every relationship is just a vehicle for the purpose of evolution, which is what the purpose of our existence is. That's the bigger context to remember. Now, based on personal purpose, there is a myth it's written about in so many books and in, in self-help books, like you got to know your purpose, man. You got to know the seven steps. You have to be able to write it on a piece of paper and a poster board, otherwise your life is screwed. You have to know what your purpose is. I believe that's actually a myth. It sets up this constant seeking of your purpose and many times not actually living your purpose. Let me explain. The ego, the ego, which is the identity, the sense of identified uh, sense of self that we have become is constantly seeking, 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 and never wants to find. Because the ego is constantly seeking something, seeking money, seeking fame, seeking sex, seeking food, seeking, seeking, seeking my purpose. <laughs> because if I'm constantly seeking, then I don't have to find, then, then the ego's existence is always reinforced. But the moment it finds something, the moment it, it, it dissolves. So the ego's job is to seek and to not find because it doesn't really want to find, it wants to keep seeking. That's the job of the ego. 
And so the ego's job is to stay alive. And now there's a myth that you actually have to find your purpose, know what your purpose is in order to begin, in order to live it. And that creates more seeking. And many times we're sitting, I know people that are sitting there waiting, going, I'm just, when I find my purpose, then I'm going to start. When I find my purpose, then I'm going to begin. And it's like, I, I, some, some friends I have seven years later, they're still seeking their damn purpose. I'm like, wait a second, it's been seven years. And so I tell people, stop seeking your purpose. What? Stop seeking your purpose. Okay, then what? On a personal sense, begin to move. Just go in the direction. Like, you don't have to know what your purpose is in order to live it. So go in the direction of what lights you up, what turns you on, of what makes you come alive. Don't ask, how can I just make money? Go in the direction. If you don't know, like, but what do I do, Ku? Go in the direction of what makes you come alive. Go in the direction of what you do for free. Go in the direction of what you love. Go in the direction of what turns you on. Take the step in that direction, even if you don't know where that will take you, because here's what will happen. When you take that step, life will reveal to you the next step. When you mm. take the next step, life will reveal to you the next step. Each step, life reveals to you the next step. So each, so life is a revelation as you take a step instead of waiting here to figure out a purpose from the mind. Purpose is evolutionary. So on some level, purpose, your sense of purpose will evolve as you develop spiritually, mentally, emotionally, as you mature with age, and also as you evolve your consciousness. Your purpose now may not be the same purpose in 10 years. And so we have to start and go in the direction. Take a step, life reveals the next step. Take another step. Life reveals the next step. Take another step. Life reveals the next step. It's a revelation. And then over time, what starts happening, step after step after step after step after step, you turn around and you look around and you're like, whoa, I'm actually living my purpose now. You haven't figured out your purpose up front or even discovered your purpose up front. You've lived into your purpose. If you wait to take the step till you have figured it out, and many times what you think your purpose is from this perspective is not really what your purpose is. It's just the best guess of what you think your purpose is. And so the only way to really find out is to live it. And, and it's when you take the step and you live your purpose, you become more. Each time you become more, you gain more power, you gain more skills, you gain more readiness. As you gain more readiness, life is able to give you more along the way. That, that, it, that is a reflection of your capacity to live your purpose purpose so don't try and figure it out now four questions what do i love what turns me on what makes me most come alive number two look at the specific skills we're getting practical now look at the specific skills that you have like you might say because i love basketball but i'm two foot one mm, <laughs> that may not be your lane but nba may not be your lane and so <laughs> What do I love? Okay, but then look at what specific skills do I have? Skills based on my life, skills based on my experiences, skills based on my successes, based on my failures. Every single experience that you've been through, the skills that you are likely to have gained from those experiences that are part of the ingredients of you living your purpose. Yeah? Some, some, some of those things we do don't make sense in the moment. And so if we try to figure out a purpose and wait till we have it figured out, Sometimes you need to take that job or you need to go work for that person or you need to do that thing because 
you needed to learn something so that when your true life's calling is here, you have the skills where you're ready to execute. But if you don't take the job because you're like, that's beneath me, or I need to figure out my purpose, you won't have developed the skill necessary to fulfill your actual true soul's calling. So what skills do I have? List your skills. Number three, look at what problems am I uniquely able to solve? What problems or challenges am I uniquely able or gifted at solving? To me, I tell people, don't chase money. Solve a problem. Solve a problem, pain or challenge. Now, we live in a world right now where there's lots of problems, lots of challenges, and lots of, lots of opportunity. Money is a function of adding value. Mm. Money is a function of adding value. Not just a function of just making money. Money is a function of adding value. You add value when you solve someone's pain, problem, or challenge. Sometimes we think we're adding value, but we're really not. Value is when you solve someone's pain, problem, or challenge. That's when you add value. Money is just the energetic exchange for that problem-solving value-added capacity. So if you get clear on what problems am I uniquely able to solve, sometimes we don't value our own innate gifts because they come so easily to us we don't think it's that valuable because if I can do it this easily, what value is it? Chances are someone else in your life will be challenged by what is easy to you. And that can be a way of exchange that might be a lane to go down. Last thing is look at the group of people you feel an affinity to. Maybe you feel a connection to the single mothers, the blind, the elderly, the teenage kids, the orphans, what have you, the, the dolphins, the, 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 the dogs, the stray dogs, whatever group of people you feel a connection to, likely you feel a connection to that group of people. Maybe there's karma. Maybe there's something from your past experience. I believe that that can point you in the direction of where your lane might be. That can point you in the direction of the group of people that perhaps you have been put on this planet to serve. Mm. I love it, man. So many jewels, so many gems. This is why you were a superstar in my book. I uh, just got a couple last questions. Yeah, for you. go for it, man. Yeah. So I guess the first question is there's somebody out there that's watching and they've already heard your story. They're super impacted by it, but they say in seeing that he's so much wiser now than where he even was five years ago. And we would all admit that because we're constantly developing and learning. <laughs> so if you can look back and you say, Hey, if there was one thing that I wish I would have changed or that I could have changed, or if there's one thing that I wish that I would have implemented sooner, to be able to accelerate the path on my journey to my dream of where I am today, what would that one thing be? This may not be what you are looking for or expect, but it's, it's, it's my one thing that popped up. My mother died three and a half years ago. And I got to spend, and I was, look, I was a great son. I loved my mother. I saw her on and off quite well. We had a great relationship. It wasn't like I, we didn't have a deep connection. Three and a half years ago, she was diagnosed with cancer, stomach cancer, out of the blue. She was 71 years old, still young. It wasn't, we weren't expecting it that early. And we weren't expecting it at all, to be honest. It was a total surprise. And I, she was living in London. I started flying back to London every three months. And I got to spend three, four days every two, three months, actually every month in the beginning, to be in her chemo sessions. And, I would sit in her chemo sessions. So this was for an entire year. 
I'll sit in the chemo session. We're talking eight hours a day. And I would hold her hand and we would just talk about, honestly, nothing important. I just right. shoot the shit. We would talk about life and talk about food and talk, just hanging out with my mom for eight hours, 10 hours at one time. And I realized, wow, I haven't done this since I was like five years old. And, and, right. and I felt a sadness. I felt a deep sadness of, wow, I've achieved a lot, served a lot of people. Why did I wait till this moment when my mother was dying to spend this time with her? Why did I wait to this moment to make this a priority? The simple things in life, the ordinary moments to just sit with her and do nothing. On some level, I had to thank cancer because I said, thank you, cancer, because you've gifted me a whole deeper relationship with my mother that otherwise wouldn't be. But my question to myself was, why did I wait? Why did I wait? And so that would be one thing I would change. I would have really prioritized some things like the time with my mother, having the experience. I th see, I thought we had another 10, 15 years to travel the world and have these experiences. And so when I'm less busy, when I have time, when I have time, when I have time, and the truth is never the right time. The only time is now. And so if anyone's listening in, here's a piece of motivation for you. You are going to die. Let me repeat. You are going to die. You, me, Jesus died. Buddha died. Malcolm X died. Bruce Lee died. Muhammad Dali died. You and I are going to die. This is reality. None of us know when the moment's going to happen. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when, you know? And so the more we're able to make peace with death, accept death, not as some morbid thing, because I believe tomorrow is not a right. And, and so whenever we die, whenever, and I hope everyone listening in, you live a long life. I hope you live a long life. But to me, the quality of a life is not the length of a life or the quantity, it's the, it's the quality. How, how you live the life that you have determines the life that you have. And mm. so when you die, whatever people believe, Buddhist, Christian, whatever, doesn't matter to me. When you meet your maker, you can't go to God and say, God, I wasted seven years in that marriage that I wasn't in love. Can I get those seven years back? No. I wasted those 17 years in that job I hated and I played it safe. God, could I please get those 17 years back? No. I wasted time. No. And so I would invite everyone, which is what I had to really sit with in the face of my mother's death. The best year of my life, man. The best year of my life. But I, I asked myself, why did I wait till she was dying to be with her more? to celebrate more. So how would you need to live? So if death came, you would have no regrets, a life of no regrets. Why do we wait till someone is dead and gone at the funeral to throw a big party? They were great. They were amazing. They were, then we get the big flowers for them. As I decided, screw that. Let me do it while they're alive. Mm. 
Let me love, let me give them the flowers. When they're dead and gone, the flowers don't matter. Let me right. give them the flowers while they're alive. And so if anyone's listening in, if there's someone you need to speak to, sounds simple, but we often don't do it. We live like we have forever. If there's someone you need to speak to, speak to them. If there's someone you need to say, I commit to you and I love you, love them. If there's someone you need to forgive, forgive them. Life is short. Grudges mean nothing. Grudges are a waste of time. Forgive, release, do it. We have one opportunity. And so I would have spent more time with my mother. I would have spent more time with my father. I would have spent more time because at the end of the day, it's those simple things that's important. I love it. This has been a phenomenal conversation. And I want to be the first one, if no one else has told you, my brother, to let you know that I appreciate you and thank you. I've learned so much. This is, again, so many gems that have dropped. And I know lives will be changed from people who are seeing or watching this. And I'm excited to see all of the feedback or hear all of the feedback. For anybody who wants to stay connected with you, we're going to make sure that we put all the links in the show notes. But where can they find you at? Sure, a couple of ways. First, it's been a pleasure being on the conversation and uh, I feel your energy shining through, brother. So thank you. I feel your spirit, I feel your soul. It's just been a, a very warm welcome from your heart. So just know I feel it. You're doing beautiful work. For those that feel inspired, yeah, I would love to stay connected. A couple of ways. You can go to, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. You can giving away a three three-part video series are called Activating Abundance, powerful videos for free. You can go to www.activatingabundanceonline.com. Uh, my website, kuteblackson.com, K-U-T-E-B-L-A-C-K-S-O-N. And depending on when people are listening to this time of the year, twice a year, I do my favorite event, very intimate event, 20 people in, ba in Bali, where if you're ready for your next level of transformation and freedom and unconditioning, uh, connecting with yourself, uh, join me in Bali every July and every December. Boundless, www.boundlessblissbali.com. Got it. I love it, my man. Again, Dream Nation, just as he said, there's so much to unpack there, but you got to live in your natural self and you got to let that evolution take place. So you have to take action because if you don't take action, then otherwise that dream that you have, whatever it is, it will only merely be a fantasy. That's all for this one. We'll catch you on the next one. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. 
Learn more at cbp.gov careers.